this morning as we continue our series, Theology from the Bridge. We'll move from bridge walk to bridge talks. Now, most of the time when Brenda and I walk our Florida bridge or our walks here in Kentucky, we talk a lot. As I said last week, we, we reflect, and, but sometimes we just simply walk and we think. And it's some of those times when I feel like God talks to me. Now, sometimes God talks to me and tells me to stop talking so Brenda can get in a word edgewise. But whether on a bridge or not, I wonder if you ever have talks with God. Those are sort of interesting, aren't they? I mean, how do we know that it's God talking to us and not just us talking to ourselves, not just us telling ourselves what we want to do anyway? How do we know that? Is it our own conscience that directs us? in our ways, or is it God? We can't see God. So what makes us think we can hear God? Oh, I would claim that we can see God, and we see God, the glimpse of God all the time. And for me, in hearing God, I try to take my cues from Scripture a lot. Even with its inconsistencies and its contradictions, and yes, they are there. We can indeed find guidance for our life if, friends, if we are willing to do the work to break these sacred stories down contextually. This morning's Passions from Ephesians was no doubt a part of what I heard growing up. Maybe you have too. Now don't let the sun go down on you being mad. Now that's a hard one to practice when someone ticks you off towards the end of the night. That's another reason we ought to stay off social media before we go to bed. But let's look at this passage about talk. Bridge talk, if you will. And just maybe along the way we'll understand a bit more about the possibility of our discerning God's talk to us on our bridges. Daylight or dark, smooth waters or rough. Now as we turn to the book of Ephesians, just a brief setup. You all know I always like to set it up a little bit in this context. Now many assume that this is yet another of Paul's letters to the churches he founded. That's stolen mail, by the way, all of them. That somehow made their way into the Bible. That's a separate sermon. And we assume that Paul wrote Ephesians because... Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul... An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. In other words, if we can picture ourselves in those elementary school, did you ever write notes to people in elementary school and fold them up and put to and from and maybe if you were really creative you put flowers and if you stole your other kids, one of your friends colored pencils, you'd be colorful about it. We remember making those letters. So if we were in elementary school we can imagine that it would say, from Paul to faithful saints. Except, most scholars agree that Ephesians is one of several New Testament books attributed to Paul, but written by someone else pretending to be Paul. And why would someone do that? Because the someone else who wrote it, they didn't have the platform or the power or authority that Paul's name carried. It's sort of like those who wrote the speeches in this past week's Democratic Convention. And indeed, those who will write 
likely very opposite sounding speeches for the Republican convention this week. I didn't know this for a long time, but most of the folks who deliver their speeches who are in high platforms and high spaces, most of them do not write their speeches. And for the really big platforms, there are literally teams of speech writers. And then there's editors. And then finally in its final form, the speeches are delivered. Now, as in the ancient days of Paul, there are ghostwriters. And so this morning we have a ghostwriter. There are some who literally spend their lifetime studying the usage of words and the ancient community and doing their best to figure out who wrote this letter. But me, I spend my time with the Bible trying to figure out, is, is there a lesson here for me? And maybe even for you. Let's see. Whoever wrote this letter was intentional about this. They were intentional about naming who the letter was addressed to. And that detail, friends, is important. For it frames the entire message found in the book of Ephesians. So Paul, or someone using Paul's name, was writing to the saints who are faithful in Christ Jesus. In other words, remembering that Paul's ministry was focused on the Gentiles. So the non-Jews who were denied access to the church or the temple. The Gentiles were brought into the fold of God when Jesus arrived on the scene. And Jesus welcomed everybody He came in contact with. And let me pause here just briefly. I wonder about those churches or pastors who make rules about who's in or who's out. I wonder where they got the rules. Because story after story, sinner after sinner, broken person after broken person, rejected, wounded, screw-ups, whoever Jesus came into contact with, He welcomed. And He invited them to form their own relationship with God. And not one time do we read of Jesus issuing a single rule. Not for being in God's circle, not for joining the sacred meal of communion, not even for being a member of the church. It seems like there's some folks that need to take a good bridge walk with God these days. Back to Ephesians. This message we read about this morning does not contain instructions for those who don't believe in God. Or even for those who don't profess to follow Jesus' path the divine. It is written specifically for those of us who seek to emulate the example of Jesus. And it's written for those of us who try to follow this amazing prophetic rabbi. And this is important. The letter's written to those who were once denied access to God. Denied entry into the temple or the church. It's written to those who used to be on the outside looking in. And unless we trace our ancestry to ancient Judaism, that means the letter's also written to us. And even if any of us do trace our ancestry to the ancient Jews, and believe it or not, you may not be aware of this, we have two or three Jews who are members of Bluegrass. You know, they asked me if they could join the church, that they wanted to be a part of this community, their significant others or their friends were a part of this community. They said, but I don't want to leave my Jewish roots. And I answered, well, wouldn't that be hypocritical? Not to welcome a Jew into the church that worships a Jew. I digress. What we know is that Jesus was born and died as a Jew. So any teachings in this ancient scripture are for all of us, Jews and non-Jews, Jews and Gentiles. 
And this letter to believers in Ephesus is even more specific. For the writer, whoever he was, was writing to the faithful saints. So in other words, not those who join the church and we never see them or hear from them again. Not ones who leave at the first opportunity of disagreement with a sermon the pastor might have preached or a decision the church council might have made. No, friends, this letter was written to the people who would have been seen as the most committed church members. The ones who have the best example being Christ-like. The ones who claim Jesus as the path to the holy and who claim to take our faith journey seriously and give it priority in our lives. If that's us, then we might begin our bridge walk and learn about bridge talk. Some of you might remember my friend and one of our founding members, Dana Elam. Jeff, Dana stepped up really quickly when we launched the church some nine and a half years ago and she ran our video and computer stuff for a while. Before that, I was on even more roller skates than I am this morning. But she stepped up and volunteered and she was there week in and week out. And then she moved back to the West Liberty area where she shares life with her wife Jamie and their cats. She moved back to be close and living to her mom Carolyn. And I've been fond of the Elam family for years and have shared some sacred moments with this precious family. I was in the room. In fact, I went to the chapel with Carolyn before we went to the room. And I was in the room with that family when they made the very difficult decision to have life support disconnected from their husband and their dad. And I surrounded that bed with them as he took his last breath and then officiated in John's funeral. I was present a few years later when their daughter and sister Kelly was diagnosed with cancer, battled it valiantly, and I officiated Kelly's funeral a few years ago. I'm still friends with Dana and Johnny, who now lives with her husband in Nashville. And I'm friends as well with a son and brother David, who we used to call baby Jesus because the girls, the three girls said that he could do no wrong in the eyes of his mom and dad. And Dana would raise her hand during sharing the joys and concerns and say, let's pray for baby Jesus because David was addicted to drugs in a bad way. But here's the joy. We used to pray for David regularly and now he's a top manager with a drug rehabilitation facility in eastern Kentucky. And he has quite the resurrection story surrounding that. It's all to say that this Elam family has honored me with being part of their clan over the years. I remember that Johnny used to tell me that their mama, Carolyn, who watches our services and pastor chats regularly, and Carolyn is also a dear friend of mine. Carolyn always advises her children, and I'm going to quote here, do not let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Advice given to Johnny fairly regularly, as Johnny, shall we say, uses colorful language sometimes. I Facebooked them last night and told them they were going to be in my sermon today. And Johnny said, what time? I'm on Central Time in Nashville. I said, 9 o'clock, sis, get up. And then I said, it's going to be about corrupt communication. She said, oh, Lord, I got that lecture this week. Avoid corrupt communication. Keep the bridge talk clean. 
And I'm not calling my sister Johnny out because this letter isn't speaking about the occasional or even the regular cuss words we might use. Rather, the writer of Ephesians is instructing us very clearly that our words and our actions should be different from the world's. I love that the writer, whoever he is, because the writing of women didn't make it into the Bible, another separate sermon. But I love it that the writer acknowledges that Christian or not, faithful saint or not, heathen or angel, we all get angry. So these instructions do not tell us not to get angry. Praise be to God for that. But rather they tell us how we should handle angry talk on the bridges of life. Speak truth. In other words, don't embellish. And most certainly, do not lie about someone. Have the facts in hand before our mouths open or before we open social media to share stories that have not been vetted as factual. Don't rely on secondhand information or rumors. Speak truth. And yes, often, friends, that means I believe speaking truth to power. Now some of us read that instruction, we have the facts in hand, we are ready to unload. And then we read on for another bridge talk instruction. And I believe that's when the bridge talk gets hard. Let no evil come out of your mouths. Now when I first read that, I think, well, that's sort of subjective. What's evil to me is evil to me. doesn't have to be evil to you. And I don't know if it's evil to God or not, but okay, I can go by that rule. I mean, the truth will set you free, and if you have the facts and the truth hurts, then so be it. Let it roll. And then we keep reading, and the bridge talk instructions keep on. Only talk in ways that are useful for building up. I wonder what that means. Here's what I know. In the ancient community, it was all about power and greed. The kings in power and their cronies, the socialites in power and their fellow party goers who were seen to be uppity and in the know, and yes, even the religious community, also full of power and greed and rules. Ah, the rules, the rules about who's in and who's out. Some things haven't changed, have they? Yet. In the ancient community, few were concerned with their words building up unless it was about building up walls or building up barriers. But building up love, building up acceptance, building up the kingdom of God, not so much. And before we can leave chapter 4, we hear the bridge talk from God. Our words from one another should be truthful and should be built up and be full of grace. Bam! There's that word. There's the word at the highest arc of the bridge. When we speak, when we post on Facebook, when we exercise any form of communication, we should do so in a way that causes us some hesitation to reflect on whether that talk or our associated actions are truthful, are grace-filled, and are for the purpose of building bridges. Bridges of understanding. Bridges of reconciliation. Bridges of hope. And indeed, 
bridges of love. And this is not easy. At least for me. Bridge talk. See, it's hard to resist breaking down someone or some group that seems to be rampantly going wild with all matter of rumor and innuendos and rhetoric that seeks to break us apart and divide us. It's hard not to call that out, isn't it? Am I the only one? It's hard to to resist just calling out the truth as we see it in communities or even our religious circles. Oh, I want to call it out in a big way. And let me tell you something. I've been guilty of doing that a time or two or three or a thousand. And yet if we take a breath between the words we're getting ready to utter or a keystroke that leads to the enter button, we'll hear the call to be different the call to resist corrupt communication, defined as anything that is not truthful, anything that's not full of grace, and anything that doesn't build up. I don't know about you, but left to my own desires, I just don't have the self-discipline often to not want to call it as I see it, And yet that's not what God needs me or you or them to do. It's not what builds up. It's not what will heal our families, our country, our world. And God knows we need a lot of healing these days, don't we? Balancing prophetic words to grace-filled words isn't easy, friends. Balancing calling out injustices in a big way is our call, I believe. But calling individuals' names or groups' names or worse, nicknames that we hear on a regular basis for some of those in power, that's not grace. That's not building up. And that's not what faithful saints do. Period. Oh yeah, resisting how the world talks is tough. And for some of us more than others, including one of your pastors named Marsha, resisting that, resisting our own desires to call it the way we see it can be even tougher. Perhaps then, just perhaps, we can start with a little bridge walk and bridge talk with God, asking God to lead us in our ways, Asking God to guide us with our words. And asking God to teach us in how we can build up bridges in our own unique ways for such a time as this. Where and how to start or stop. Bridge talk. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.